Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. This week, we are continuing our series entitled Plastic Surgery, as we also celebrate our annual service of ingathering. Leading us this week is our senior pastor, the Reverend Dr. Jared Ott, who will be preaching on giving as an act of faith. Here he is with this week's message. Thank you for listening. Good morning, everybody. Let's start over. Good morning, everybody. My name is Jared, and uh, I'm the new tech director here. No, uh... I'm Senior Pastor. Glad to be here this morning. We are uh, working through this series on finances called Plastic Surgery, Giving Your Finances a Facelift. Let me pray for us as we begin. Lord Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you that we can be in your house this morning. Thank you that we can uh, sing your praises, Lord. It's wonderful to be able to come and sing those great songs of praise and worship because this is really about you. And Lord, I know that as we come to this issue of finances, it's, it's tough for some of us. Some of us are struggling with it. Some of us are worried about it, fearful, as we've already heard. Some of us are concerned about our jobs or bills that we have to pay or the debt that we have. But Lord, we thank you for the fact that while it's about money, it's, you also speak to us in your word about money. That we can come and hear what you have to say to us about how we can give faithfully, how we can have faith, and how it challenges us in our life. So Lord, I pray that we aren't just hearers of this word, but we'll be doers of it as well as we... Look at what you have to say to us in 2 Corinthians. Thanks for today. Be with us in the moments ahead, and I ask this all in your precious and holy name. Amen. Well, if you've been with us, um, or if you're new with us, we, we've been in the series called uh, Plastic Surgery, Giving Your Finances a Facelift. Um, somebody had suggested to me that we should call Plastic Surgery, Giving Your Finances a Faith Lift. That is a better title, but it's too late. We already made the graphic. So, uh, But it's nice because what we're talking about is we want to get rid of debt, right? We're, we're talking about it from the perspective of a surgery. Anybody who's had surgery knows that you have to have a progression of things when it comes to surgery. So if you're going in for surgery, you know that you, you first have to have like a pre-op exam. If you want to be better givers, we need to start looking at some other things before we do. The reason we do this is because... You know, in the years past, we talk about finances, so there's a lot of folks, and maybe it's, you're one of them, who would say, you know what, Jared, I, I wish I was a, a better giver. I want to be a better giver, or I want to, you know, help charities or give to things that I just can't. I, I, I have too much debt, or my spending is out of whack. And so one of the things we wanted to do over the, the past few weeks is talk about, okay, listen, let's, let's get those things under control. Let's start looking at our own debt. Let's start looking at our, uh, how we're spending our money so that we can be givers. We can be joyful givers as we move forward. So that's the idea of this whole series. And we are uh, doing another uh, Dave Ramsey uh, Financial Peace Series in January. Maybe you need some more information, more help about how to get out of those things. Be looking for that as we have that coming up uh, in January, uh, a class where you can ask questions and talk with some uh, financial folks to help you get through that. But one of the things about surgery is, you know, after you have that pre-op exam, we looked at a debt, after you look at your spending, then then we talk about injecting faith in something right it's if you've ever had surgery or especially plastic surgery a lot of times they're injecting stuff and this time we we get the idea of how do you inject faith into something because when we talk about giving a lot of us don't want to do it we'll say hey god whatever's left over you can have if i have money left over you can have it in fact there was a father who gave his little girl two dollars and said here you go you can do anything with with one of these dollars but the other dollar belongs to god with joy, she ran to the candy store, and on the way, she tripped. And one of the dollars fell into the storm drain, and she got up and said, Well, Lord, there goes your dollar, right? We do that, too, where it's like, okay, whatever's left, by the time I you know, get to church or get to a, a place where I, I need to give, whatever's left, right? 
Deb reminded me of a story of uh, herself when it talks about giving in faith. 20-some years ago, Deb was here. Deb was here even before I was, but uh, she was helping out in the youth ministry, and she remembered talking. They were talking about finances, talking about giving in faith, and she said she only had $10, and she gave that $10 in the offering even though she didn't have enough gas to get home. But she said, I want to give out of faith. And so she gave that $10. And she said, right after that service, she went out and somebody wanted to bless one of the people helping in the youth ministry and gave her more than enough for a tank of gas. That's faith. It's giving beyond what we think. I always thought, how amazing is that, right? We talked about this idea of giving. You say, why are we talking about giving? Well, we've already talked about that key verse in Luke 12. It's where your treasure is. There will your heart be also. Where is your treasure? Where's your heart here today? You see, the Bible does not forbid wealth. We, people get nervous when we talk about wealth because they're going to say, oh, well, if I have money, we're, it's going to be bad. And they're going to talk about how bad I am. It doesn't. In fact, we've talked about this where the, God gives us money, right? He gives us wealth. The problem is, is that a lot of times wealth becomes a problem itself, doesn't it? In fact, you say, well, we deal with it differently in this day and age. It's no different from the folks in the Old Testament. They were dealing with uh, problems of money even in the New Testament. Achan in the Old Testament's love of money brought disaster upon himself. We know that Balaam's love of money caused him to curse God. We know that, remember, uh, Delilah and Samson, her love of money made her, her uh, uh, betray Samson, the death of thousands. In the New Testament, we think of Ananias and Sapphira. They lied about their money, and they lied about their giving. They, they were cursed, and they died. Judas, right? Judas betrayed the Lord, right, for 30 pieces of silver. Money is a cause of all kinds of stuff, so it's appropriate we talk about it. But how do we talk about it? We talk about it from the perspective of the Macedonian church because they give us a real clear picture of what it means to, to give in faith. Because, you see, the Macedonian church really, they had, a, they had a, a good motive for giving. A good motive for giving. When we just watched that video uh, with Dave Ramsey, it's talking about holding things on tightly, right? And the, the more you have, the more we hold on to it. And there's fear that we don't want to let go. The Macedonian church didn't have that. They had a, they'd let go of what they had because they had a great motive for giving. And they were first motivated to give because of God's grace. Because of God's grace. If you have your Bibles, we're in 2 Corinthians 8. Powerful, powerful passages of Scripture. Verse 1 of 2 Corinthians 8 says this. Now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Understand, it wasn't, it wasn't about uh, the leadership. They weren't giving because they thought, oh, it's fantastic. I love the music here today, right? They didn't have that. They weren't giving because they love the ministries or they love the cafe that they get to partake in after the service, right? That's not what they loved. They didn't love the air conditioning they had or the comfortable chairs. They weren't giving because of those things. They were giving because of God's grace. But they were also giving something that was superseded their circumstances, right? Verse 2 says they gave out of severe trial. They gave out of severe trial, in the midst of severe trial. See, the Macedonian churches were Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea. These churches were in terrible shape. These churches were being plundered by the Romans. So they were constantly getting attacked. They were constantly getting uh, plundered. They were constantly getting robbed from. They were in absolute deep poverty. They had no money. They were living in fear, but they, yet they were still giving. That's why they, in the midst of severe trial, they were able to give. Have you ever been in trial? Have you ever been in a situation where 
where you have to go above your circumstances. You have to take steps of faith despite how you feel. That's what happens a lot when it comes to giving. People will say, well, I'm going to give because of how I feel. If that were the case, nobody would give anything, right? Why? Because if it was about how you feel or what you liked or the fact that you felt good on a certain day, there might be points in time in life where you can give. The Macedonian church said, no, it's not about how we feel. It's not about our circumstances or situation. It's about God's grace and what he's done for us. They were motivated to give because of God's grace, but they were also motivated to give joyfully, weren't they? Motivated to give joyfully. You know, I'm so grateful for uh, my family when my parents were giving that I never saw them having to fight about giving. I always wonder how kids deal with parents when they look at their parents and their reluctance to give or they feel giving out of obligation or they give but then they grumble and complain after. In fact, my wife and I were at dinner a few years ago with some folks and the guy said, I, I'm never going to a church. The only thing they talk about is they want my money. I'm never giving up my money. And his son was sitting right there, and I thought, how terrible. What a terrible, terrible illustration to their children about what it means to give. They were, give, they were motivated to give joyfully. Look at verse 2. The second part of verse 2 says, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. It was so amazing. It was so joyful. It was just overflowing, Right? Because they wanted to, to do something. They wanted to continue to advance the message of Jesus Christ, that he, that he died on the cross for their sins. They wanted, to, they wanted to do that because it was so much joy. And they said, listen, it doesn't matter what we have or don't have. They want to they give. It was out of joy that they gave. God loves a cheerful giver. I know we're going to talk about that next week because what happens is we'll come in a little bit and give our pledges for the year. And then there's that, there's that buyer's remorse saying, oh, no, what did I do? Guess what? You can have joy. There's joy that comes, motivated to give because of God's grace, motivated to give because of joy. They're also motivated to give faithfully, and that's where we come to today. What does it mean to give faithfully? Now, you can look at this that says, well, they're, they're motivated to give regularly. Now, that's one part of it. Or they were motivated to give faithfully because they knew God was going to use that money to advance his kingdom. Well, that's another part of it. Giving faithfully, though, goes, when you look at their situation, goes a little bit beyond that. Because now you see, because of the situation they're in, now it's really an act of faith. It's really an act of faith. That whole first part of verse uh, 2 Corinthians 8, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace God has given the churches. In the midst of severe trial, they're overflowing, overflowing joy, extreme poverty. I testify that they gave as much as they were, they were able, even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service of the Lord's people. What does faithful giving mean? Faithful giving means it will exceed what is expected. Faithful giving exceeds what is expected. It exceeded their expectations. Some people always say, listen, as long as I get into a better financial situation, I'm going I'm to give more. That's not exceeding expectations. If you think about the woman with two coins, we've, we looked at that last week. This woman had two coins, and she put them both in. She gave both coins. It wasn't just that she gave two coins, all that she had, is that no one expected her to give both coins, right? If you see someone with just two pennies, you'd say, well, they're probably going to keep one, and they're going to they're give the other. Not her. She gave more than what's expected. She went above and beyond. She realized that God loves all of her, so she's not going to give just a portion of things. She's going to give all that she had. 
She gave more than what's expected. She saw it as an act of worship. My hope is, is that you see it as an act of worship here today. They gave themselves first to the Lord. Zacchaeus did the same thing. You remember Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a guy who's had a heart transformation. And what he says is, okay, Lord, I'm going to give back everybody I stole from. And then I'm going to give the people that I stole from even four times the amount. It was beyond expectation. It was beyond what they thought. It, was, it went over and above. That's what giving faithfully actually means. It's a mindset. And then it says salvation came to Zacchaeus' home. It wasn't because Zacchaeus was generous. It was because of a newfound heart condition that he realized that his love for the Lord, of what the Lord did for him on the cross, that now he can give out of the grace of his own of, of what the Lord did because now he overflows with joy that's why Zacchaeus had a mindset change it was a heart change he realized that everything he had was from the Lord now he's going to give back the early believers in the first and Acts did the same thing in Acts chapter 2 what did they do all the believers were together and had everything in common they sold property and possessions and gave to anyone who had need can you imagine if all of us got together and we sold everything that we had and we had one big pot that we all can pull from right I'm going to I definitely would have Pastor Jamie administer that because I wouldn't want to even go near that right can you imagine all of us coming to, 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 to a place where we could just take whatever we needed and everybody was good with that? It wouldn't happen in today's day and age. But see, in the early church, they did that. Why? Because they realized that it was because of God's grace, because of what the Lord did for them, that they can come and give to people in need. Can you imagine liquidating all your assets? Can you imagine giving to something... For people to need if they ever needed it. You may say, well, I wonder if our church ever does that. Our church does do that. We have a good Samaritan fund that we have utilized from time to time where people can give to this fund for, for us to be good stewards to give to people in need. I know Deb and I have been the recipient of some funds from people in our church years ago when we needed an apartment. We couldn't afford uh, first or last month's rent. And I came into the church and there on my desk was the exact amount of first and last month's rent. No one, it wasn't a note that said, this is from so-and-so or, hey, I hope you enjoy this. It was because they realized, no, it's not because of, uh, of the gift. It was because they were motivated to give to us because of a, of a generosity, a joy that they had in their life because they realized that people in need, everything they had was from the Lord. So now they're going to give the people in need. It exceeds what's expected. But giving also in faith not only exceeds what's expected, but it exceeds what's affordable. It exceeds what's affordable. It says in the midst of severe trial. We just talked about how in poverty they were, but they still gave. There's a story of uh, George Mueller, 1800s, and he was operating an orphanage. This orphanage had a thousand orphans. Can you imagine? A thousand orphans. And one morning they woke up and there was absolutely no food left at all for any of these orphans. So what George Mueller did, he's called everybody down, all the children, all the staff, and together. And they sat around the table and they prayed and they thanked God for the provisions. Even though there was nothing on the table, they thanked God for the provisions of food. A few minutes later there was a knock at the door. It was a baker. He says to Mr. Mueller that God had led him to bake bread the night before and give it to the orphanage. And but while the bread was being brought in, a milk truck broke down right in front of the orphanage. And so the milkman came to the door and said, my milk's going to go bad unless I give it to somebody. I want to give it all to you. George Mueller gave thanks even when it took faith 
to do so. My wife, when giving, took faith to do, even though she didn't have it. It was a sacrifice. You remember in the Old Testament, there's a story with King David. You remember King David? King David was, wrote a lot of the Psalms, and he, he wanted to make a sacrifice to the Lord. And this is in 2 Samuel 24. And so he, he said, I want to make a sacrifice to the Lord. So there's a, a gentleman who came up to him called Aaron Nua. And Aaron Nua in 2, Corinthians, uh, excuse me, 2 Samuel 24, he says to him, hey, listen, David, I want to give you everything you need for the sacrifice. I want to give you the wood. I want to give you the animals. I want to give you the land. I want to give you uh, everything that you need, uh, the animals, everything. I want to give it to you for the sacrifice. And then in 2 Samuel 24, David says, I, I, I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God, which costs me nothing. In other words, what David is saying, I don't want to make a sacrifice because it's not really a sacrifice. If you're going to give me everything for the sacrifice, then it's really not a sacrifice for me. What David is saying is, listen, I want to, I want to really make the sacrifice. C.S. Lewis said the same thing. He says, I don't, I, don't, I don't believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. You see, giving faithfully says it's not about, okay, making sure our comforts are okay, our luxuries are our amusements, and then we'll give. Faithful giving says, listen, it might pinch us, it might hamper us a little bit, then we're going to have to take a step of faith. That's what the Lord needs. You say, well, doesn't the Lord own a cattle in a thousand hills? Doesn't he own everything? He absolutely does. So why does he need my money? He needs your faith more than he needs your money. He needs you to step out of faith and say, you know what? I have everything, but the Lord's going to continue to provide for me. That's what he needs. And then he's going to use it to multiply, and other people will come to know who he is. But I'm not going to make a sacrifice that costs me nothing. In fact, when I uh, ministered some of that good Sam fund to, to some folks a year back or so, they, they came back to me and said, Boy, Jared, you have a great job. It must bring you such joy to give out money. I said, it doesn't bring me joy because it's not my money. It's the church's money. It's not my sacrifice. It's the sacrifice of the people of the church. It's their joy. They are giving and faithfully and will exceed what is actually affordable. Giving faithfully not only exceeds what's affordable, what's expected, but giving faithfully exceeds what's needed. We see this later when Paul's writing to the Philippian church in Philippians 4.18. Same Paul who's writing Corinthians. He says this. He says, I've received full payment and more than enough. I am amply supplied that now I've received from Aphrodite the gifts you sent. He's saying, listen, I, I actually received more than I needed, more than what's enough. That's faithful giving. It's not about just meeting a certain need. Faithful giving says, you know what, I'm going to give above and beyond that giving. There are lots of needs that we have here at the church. Lots of needs. There's missionaries that we're supporting around the world right now. There's ministries and missions around the world that we're supporting. There's local ministries that we're supporting. Lots of different needs that we have here at the church. And some people can meet that need. But then God has blessed some people, like Abraham, to give above and beyond. A blessing to be a blessing. We also have needs for lights to be turned on, heat to be turned on. It was great this week on Friday. If you remember that major storm that we had, a lot of people lost power. So they didn't have heat. So we opened up our doors for people to come in and just spend some time in our commons area just for the heat that we had. That's about opening up our doors and saying, hey, listen, everything we have, this building, this what we have is all from the Lord. It's given in faith. It was more than what's needed. My my question for you is, what kind of giver are you? And I've shared this before, but there are three kinds of givers in life. There's the flint, there's the sponge, and there's the honeycomb. The flint, if you know what a flint is, it's a 
It's a little piece of metal, and what you do is you hammer the flint, and you keep hammering it over and over and over, and you'll get these little sparks that come out just barely enough. Some of you are like a flint. We say, you know what? Uh, fine, I'm just going to give just barely what I need. Right? But it's going to take a lot of work. Are you like a flint? Are you a giver like a sponge? What's a sponge? A sponge needs to be squeezed ever so tightly, right? And water keeps coming out because there's water in there. But you've got to squeeze it with all your might. And it's really hard. It's gut-wrenching. And it's, it comes out with a lot of resistance. Are you a giver like a sponge? Or are you a giver like the honeycomb? Like the Macedonian church, what's a honeycomb? A honeycomb doesn't need hammered. It doesn't need squeezed. It just overflows with honey. Just like the Macedonian church, they, it overflowed with honey because of the joy. So when we come and present our gifts, our tithes for the year so that the board, our church can be good stewards, the question is, is are you able to give what's expected, what's affordable, what's needed? What kind of giver are you? It's about a step of faith. And I hope you can take that step of faith here. And we're going to celebrate. Why? Because we give thanksgiving. So in a few moments, the band's going to come and they're going to lead us as we sing the celebration. Why? Because it is a thanksgiving. Because it's about what the Lord has already done for us, sending his son to die in our place so that we can have a hope in the future. We want to use that money to impact his kingdom as it goes out. So in a few moments, we're going to come and do that. But with that, will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you for today. I thank you that we can learn from the Macedonian churches, Lord, what it means to, to give. Lord, you've given us different abilities and gifts to use for your kingdom, to advance this kingdom. And so for that, we give you thanks. Lord, you've given some of us assignments to, to minister in different ways, to give in different ways. So help us to be faithful to that. Lord, help us to do it with joy, knowing that it's about faith and what you're going to do as a result. And we ask all this in your precious and holy name. Amen.